Good morning. I said that already, didn't I? Good morning again, anyway. They say you always worry if a speaker has a bottle of water. Mine's half full. Actually, not quite half, so we're good. Actually, they put a little pressure on me earlier. They said, heck, this ought to be really good. You've had two weeks to prepare. Yeah, I was prepared for this message last Sunday, and then Mother Nature hit. But the bad news is, since I had an extra week, I added some to it. So, um, but it is great to, great to be with you all this morning, and uh, it's always a, a joy for me to be here and see you all and, and share God's Word and, and uh, see your smiling faces, and uh, I do ask that you continue to keep uh, Tom and Joni, of course, in your prayers. But uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about relationships and how it's within our relationships that God enables us to do what he calls us to do, and that is to love him and to love others. And uh, some of you all went to Bolivia, or on a Bolivia trip we went, and uh, we did some constructing. And, and one thing we, I realized is it doesn't it take longer to build something than it does to tear it down? We all know that. I, I'm really good in the demolition department. But when it comes to the construction department, I'm a little slow, and it, and, it, and it does take us longer to build than it does to tear things down. And, and that's the same thing with our relationships. And that's what we're going to look at today, is relationships. question I have for you, if someone comes up to you and says, I have some good news and some bad news, which do you want first? Don't they give you that option usually? Huh? I have some good news, some bad news, which do you want first? Well, me... I don't know about you, I want the bad. Let's get this over with, and let's get the bad out of the way, and let's end on a positive note. I don't know if you all agree or not, but that's kind of my philosophy. And that's what we're doing today. It's kind of some good news, bad news. We're going to be looking at components of relationships. We're going to look at what destroys them and what builds them. And we're going to follow that order in each one. We're going, to, we're going to share the bad news, the things that can destroy them, but then we're going to back each one of them up with a component of good news. How's that sound? That there are things we can do to help us build relationships. And what we're going to look at today, folks, is, is what's awesome about it is it doesn't just apply to marriage. It doesn't just apply to your family. It can apply to work. It applies to church. It applies to your small group. Anywhere where you have an interaction with people and you get to know people, this applies. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, disclaimer here, I am not a relationship expert, okay? But I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And you're laughing. That's not a joke. I literally did stay at a Holiday Inn Express in Mineral Wells. It's pretty nice if you ever need a place to stay. Um, but I'm not a relationship expert, but I know one. And it's not Oprah, it's not Dr. Phil, it's God. God is the relationship expert. He's the relationship guru. And it's in his word where we can find that there are four. There are four negative attitudes and behaviors that contribute to relational issues, relational problems. These are the enemies of community. We've been talking a lot about that, haven't we? With 40 days. We are community. But these four things are enemies of that. So, you ready? 
Here we go. Number one. By the way, first service got out early. So I reserved the right to whatever time we got out early in the first service. We can apply in the second. I wouldn't do that to you. Um, Doug's got a timer. He's going to hit a buzzer and tell me when I'm done. Janelle's back here giving me a glare because she knows her children's workers wouldn't be happy. Here's the number one enemy of community, the number one hindrance to relationship, selfishness. We love to hear that, don't we? Selfishness. The reason I put this first, because, folks, this is the number one cause of conflict, any conflict. It is the number one cause of divorce. It is the number one cause of war. Selfishness. Because somebody else has something we want or vice versa. So there's problems. Actually, if you look in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Quarrel and fight because we cannot get what we want. Everything starts, all of this, because of self-centeredness. And what I'm talking about here is if you think about relationships, it's easy for this to creep in. We can start out strong, but yet over time our selfishness creeps in. Think about dating, for example. Don't you all agree that, well, let's get to dating first. When we date, guys, listen, don't we, when we first start dating somebody, we're opening the door, we're going out of our way to, appear that we are selfless, but really the selfishness over time creeps in. Do you, would you all agree that we spend more time building relationships than we do maintaining them? How about that? Once we get them started, we kind of go cruise control, and the selfishness kicks in. It's like the story of the guy shared the first year of his marriage. His wife brought his slippers, and his dog came barking. But it didn't take long. His dog started bringing his slippers. And you you can think, that's a joke. Come on. Come on. But really, what causes this? What causes this selfishness to creep in? We stop putting forth effort, and it slips right in in our marriages and all our relationships. The thing is, we know selfish and being selfish is bad. We know it is not a good thing and we should avoid it. But yet we still do it. So how can we avoid being selfish? Why can't we change? Why can't we do it differently? Well, there's two reasons. First of all, it's natural. It's human nature. It is human nature that I think about me more than I think about you. Don't throw anything at me. It's, I'm just being honest. It's natural that we think about ourselves before we think about others. And if you're truly honest, that's probably the case in a, in a lot of times. It's natural, but it doesn't make it right. My needs, my interests, my hurts, how I feel, how I look, who hurt me, 
That's my focus. And when we're selfish, that's all that matters. Wake up every day worried about me. It should be reversed. So it's a natural thing, but it doesn't make it right. The second thing that deals with this is the reasons we, we have trouble being selfish is it's cultural. We hear it every day, don't we? You're number one. You got to take care of you. Right? How many times have we heard this one when we're facing a situation or, or we, we realize we, we were being selfish at times and we talked to someone about it, but they always followed up with, well, you know what? Sometimes you just got to do what's best for you. Right? We've heard that one, haven't we? But is that really right? But that's the message culture sends us. So it makes conquering this selfishness really, really difficult. Most everything we see in here tells us to focus on ourselves. And it cannot build relationship. It eats away at them. Proverbs 28:25 says selfishness only causes trouble. It's like the old phrase, coaching phrase. You all know me, know I'm a sports guy, so i got to throw a sports. It's like the old coaching phrase, there's no I in team. Right? Well, what we realize is when we're selfish, It destroys. And you think about a team who has a bunch of individuals focusing on themselves. We see it on the NBA. We see it a lot in professional sports. Teams, it's why the San Antonio Spurs average age is like 85 and they still win NBA titles. You know why? Because they're a team. There is no selfishness amongst them. And they conquer the opponent. Because they're together. It's the same thing here. But selfishness wants to creep in. So what can we realize, do to help us realize that we work better together? Being selfless is the first bit of good news. Because selflessness builds relationships. What does this mean? It means I'm not the center of the universe. It means realizing that the world was not, does not revolve around me. It comes to a realization that I need to think, and I actually do, think a little less about me and a little more about you. That's what selflessness means. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to but each of you to the interest of others. That's selflessness. It's a building block for relationships. Try it. Try it. See how it works. Because what you're going to find out, it brings the best out in others and it brings the best out in you. Because we are designed by God to be relational. And it takes being selfless to truly be the way God wants us to be. Being a part of a small group is a great way. We hear a lot about those, don't we? Small groups, connection groups, and being a part of one is a great way to learn how to practice this selflessness. Because what we do in our small groups is we take time out of our busy schedule and we spend life together. We share life together. 
We invest in one another. We listen to one another. We pray for one another. It's what it's supposed to be like. It's what it's supposed to be like in church. Selflessness. Galatians 6.8 says, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. See, sowing to please the Spirit is sowing to please God. We're on the same page there. And in order to please the Spirit, we have to be driven by the Spirit, not by ourselves. It's about being in line I love that word, aligned with God and allowing that spirit to work in us and guide us. That's the only way we can break this cycle of selfishness that's embedded in us is to be directed by the spirit. But see, even sometimes when we're being selfless, if it's driven by us, it's not good. Because sometimes we can be trying to be selfless, but it's be, if it's driven by us, we have thoughts like, Hey, look at what I did. I was, I was just being selfless, but look what I did. Well, when we have that attitude, it's being driven by us. It's not driven by the Spirit. Or how about look at me? Hey, everybody, I did a good deed today. Huh? Give me a gold star. Well, you might have been selfless, but you're driven by the wrong motivating factor. You're driven, you're driving yourself and you need to be driven by the Spirit. That's what that scripture is talking about. Because when God's Spirit's in you and motivating you, this doesn't happen. Anyone can be unselfish for a little while. But then we kind of falter back, don't we? I say we, I'm pleading guilty. Don't want to include anybody without knowing you. But we all creep back into it, most likely. But God doesn't want it for a little while. God wants it to be a lifestyle. He wants selflessness to be a way of life for each and every one of us. And the only way it can be is if we grow into his likeness and be uh, driven by the Spirit. Because when we do it on our own motivation, here's the second bit of bad news. It leads to another. If we're self-motivated, follow me. It leads to our second obstacle of relationships. Pride. We love that word. <laughs> Pride. Pride destroys relationships. Proverbs 13.10 says, where there is strife, there is pride. It's a problem. It causes turmoil. It causes disruptions. It causes arguments. What does pride look like? We can all probably think of pride looking differently because it has many faces. It can appear in many forms, like being critical of others, comparing yourself to others, being judgmental. How about this one? How about having shallow relationships to where we keep everything superficial and never let anyone get close to you? Keeping them at an arm's length. We use humor to keep it all shallow. Not letting it get too deep. Maybe faking it. Wearing a mask like we have it all together. Folks, that's all pride. Every bit of it is pride. 
How about this one? Do we find it difficult to say, I'm sorry? I've said that so many times to my wife. She doesn't even listen anymore. Do we have trouble saying, I'm sorry? Folks, if we have trouble saying, I'm sorry, it's a pride problem. Because to say we're sorry is admitting we're at fault. And we struggle with that. I do. So we got pride. But here's the good news. God gives us an antidote, a fix, if you will, to the pride problem. And guess what it is? They haven't put it up there yet, have they? How about this one, folks? This is, we got some, this, this relationship stuff's easy. If you just hear me out, you're going to figure it out. It's, this is all easy. The, the, the second fix, the fix to pride is humility. Isn't that one easy? Being humble. But it's a fix because humility builds relationships. First Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. All five of those things. Look at that. Let's look at those again. Like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, compassionate, and humble. All five of those are excellent components for relationships. But as I'm going to theorize here. This is my own personal opinion. I think they all hinge on the fifth one. I think they all hinge on humility. And man, what a model. You look at that verse. Can you put that back up there again? I'm sorry. First Peter 3 8. What a model for families. What a model for our small groups, our churches, any relationship we have. Isn't that beautiful? Those five components. Man, if we can just follow that. But we can't do it if we don't start by being humble. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is Micah 6, 8. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Walk, walk how? Humbly. With who? God. Him first. That's how it starts. That's the key. So the question is, how are we doing? How are we doing? We doing good? Not so good? It's not easy, is it? But it's a goal. It's something we should strive for and put into practice. But it's really, in case you don't understand this, let me make something really clear. This can only happen when we let Jesus Christ into our lives and let him control us. It's the only way it can happen. A relationship with Christ. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put on your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. How do we become a new person that he's talking about here, Paul's talking about? We give our lives to Christ. How do we think differently? Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus, folks. Who better to hang out with? I mean, really. He's our model. Um, 
a friend of mine, well, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but Billy Donovan, who is now the uh, head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's an NBA guy now. But he was the head coach at Marshall University. And I went down and worked a basketball camp when he was the head coach at Marshall. And he and I uh, were sitting down having dinner one evening, and I said, Coach, tell me. I was just really new into being a head coach. And I said, what is your number one piece of advice for me getting started in coaching? And he said, it's the same thing that I would tell you about life. And he said, I'll never forget it. He said, surround yourself with positive people. Man, it's huge. It's huge, folks, because listen to me. If we hang out with grumpy people, we get grumpy. Everybody agree? No amens. I thought I'd get an amen on that. If we hang out with grumpy people, we get more grumpy. If we hang out with happy people, we get more happy. If we hang out with positive people, then our attitude is more positive, right? Well, let me tell you something. If you want to be more humble, then hang out with Jesus. Spend time with Christ. There is nobody who has ever walked this earth more humble than our Savior. And we can learn a lot from Him. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And, and look, you can't have relationships without spending time with people. Really relationships, real relationships take time. So Jesus says, hang out with me. Spend time with Him. Folks, I've read I've, in seminary, I've I've read a lot of books, um, not really cover to cover, but I've read a lot of books. Um, and one of my favorites, and I highly recommend it, is called Celebration of Discipline by a guy named Richard Foster. And he talks about the spiritual disciplines that we can apply to help us stay more aligned with Christ. And when we put these into practice, it helps us to become more like him. And one of the biggies that struck me in that book was solitude. Quiet time alone with our Savior. Folks, we all pray. Hopefully we all pray. But do we listen? He wants to talk to us. He wants to share things with us. Find some quiet time and sit. Hang out with our Savior. You'll learn to be humble. And we'll learn it from Him. Philippians 2, 3 through 6 uh, do nothing out of uh, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as who? Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That can get more humble than that, does it? God's divine nature, but yet he chose to humble himself. And folks, he died on a cross. Doesn't get more humble than that. Why did he do it for us? For you? Came to heaven, or came from heaven to earth to become a man, died on a cross, resurrected, ascended to his Father for you. Every single one of us. That is humility. 
And I think it would be very well served for us to spend time with him. And we can learn that from him. All right, here we go. Number three. Number one, number three obstacle to relationships. And this is a good one. Insecurity. Insecurity destroys relationships. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. In other words, the fear of human, or the, the fear of human opinion disables. When I'm so insecure that all I think about is your opinion and what you think of me, that disables my life. We're not to be man-pleasers, are we? Huh? But if we focus on that, it'll cripple us. See, here's the problem. We have a dilemma, don't we? We want to be close, but yet we're afraid to be close to others. We want intimacy in our relationships with others, but yet we fear intimacy with others. Where does this fear come from? Two places. First of all, it's natural. It's human nature. We fear exposure naturally, really. Think about it. We don't want to be exposed, do we? Don't want to find out, people to find out what I really might be like on the inside. So we hide. And folks, it's natural because it goes all the way back to Adam. If you look in Genesis 3, it says, he says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Afraid and hid. We have a fear of being exposed. And when we're afraid, we hide. We cover up. We wear masks and pretend that we're people we're not. And really, our lives become a masquerade. Think about it when we do that. Now, David was hiding. Times are different now, aren't they? He was hiding because he realized he was naked. It's not like that nowadays, is it? I mean, people are walking around wearing pretty much, sometimes a little bit of nothing. I'm like, I don't need to see that. Even though the physical appearance, we are more, some are more willing to expose, we still hide. Because it's that emotional side we don't want people to see. It's our real self that we're afraid of people seeing. And see, what happens is, when we're afraid like this, it makes us dishonest. We build walls, and nobody ever really gets to know us. Does that make life easier? I don't think so. might seem so at the time, but it puts us in a cage. One of the things God has put us on earth to do is to be known. Fully known. God designed the family. God designed the church to do this. To get to know one another on a gut level basis. And it's one of the greatest benefits of small groups. Folks, I can, I'm a personal walking example of the benefit of small group. Joined one many years ago, a men's group. And I was a little apprehensive going in because I didn't, I feared exposure. 
And one of the most refreshing things happened very early on was I realized that I'm not the only guy struggling with these struggles. I'm not the only guy fighting this fight. There's guys in the same boat I'm in, and we can fight together. But if we isolate ourselves, we cannot experience that. But hopefully we can come over, overcome this fear. The second fear with insecurity that builds to insecurity is rejection. I think that is the biggest fear. Again, I'm not a relational expert. But I think that is the greatest fear of human beings, is fear of being rejected by others. In reality, we've all been rejected at some point, probably, haven't we, by Boyfriend, girlfriend, mom, dad, family member, a coach, a teacher, somebody has rejected us. And when we're rejected, folks, we put our guard up, don't we? We close ourselves off and say it's never going to happen again. What's the old saying? Get me once, your fault. Get me twice, it's on me, right? Well, guess what? It ain't going to happen twice. I'm building a wall. No one's going to know me because I am not going to be rejected again. And we hide. And that's not healthy. It's not healthy, folks, I'm telling you. I'm not telling you that you need to tell everybody your struggles and tell everybody what you're dealing with. But I'm telling you this, you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody you can trust and confide in. Because if you harbor that and just carry that around, you're trapped. And let me tell you, you're not living, you're existing. And maybe you've been rejected by someone at church. Someone claims to be a Christian. Someone in your small group. Wow. Folks, hear me on this one. I'm sorry. I can say I am truly, truly sorry that you experienced that. But I can also tell you this. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that prevent you from being loved. Don't let that prevent you from being real and trusting and building relationships Don't let it harden your heart. Because if we do, we just exist. Have the courage to risk love again. Take it a risk to be open and experience coming alive like you've never had before. Have you all ever had anyone come up to you and say, listen, what I'm about to tell you, I have never said to anyone before. Has anyone experienced that? Well, let me tell you something. If you do... If someone comes to you and says, listen, we need to talk, and I've never told anyone this. You know what you need to do? You don't need to smile on the outside because it might not be good. It might be sending wrong. In the inside, you need to smile. You know why you need to smile on the inside? Because this person is about to have a breakthrough in life like they've never had before. They are about to be free because they're being real. And they, by telling you that, they are able to suppress this fear of exposure and this fear of rejection. And you need to embrace it. And you need to embrace them. 
Because, folks, that's living. That's relationships. We're not meant to carry stuff around and let it, let it weigh us down. So insecurity is will destroy the relationship. The good news is we have a fix. God reveals problems, but he also reveals fixes, doesn't he? He's really good about that. There is a solution. Love. Love builds relationships. Love is the antidote to insecurity. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, here's how this works. Folks, God is love. We agree? Scripture tells us God is love. And when God is living within us, it enables us to love others. Because when we love, it really comes from God. And with God, there is no fear. How many times does he say it in Scripture? Do not be afraid. Do not fear. It goes back to being motivated by the Spirit, not by ourselves. Because when we love, it takes the focus off of ourselves and puts the focus on God and it puts the focus on others. See how it all plays in here? It's a great design. And I'm be honest with you. It starts by realizing how much God loves you. If you hear nothing else I say today, three words I want you to remember. God loves you. God loves you. You gotta believe that. Because when we believe that, it sets everything else in motion. We don't have to, no longer do we have to try to live to impress others. How freeing is it to know you're loved by God? I hope you know what that feels like. If you don't know, I hope you do today. I hope you come to the realization that God loves you because it'll be a freeing experience like you've never had before. No longer have to worry about impressing others or being rejected by others. When we realize we were loved by God, it's all that matters. And it drives everything we do. Don't have to impress other people. Don't have to worry about being rejected or exposed because God loves us. And I hope that hopefully we all realize that. First John four fifteen and sixteen said if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. See, folks, let me tell you something. You can take the first step right now. You can take the first step right now by starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's very easy. All you got to do is believe. Believe that he is the son of God and he died for you and he conquered death. If you haven't done that, I pray that you do that before you leave today. Change your life forever. Change your life forever. Because that's where it all starts. Because when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to a kind of love that can kick fear in the rear end and out of your life. Can I say but? It kicks fear in the butt. 
and out of your life. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. How cool. And we have to do nothing to receive it. He's done the work. He's got to accept it. It's awesome. All right. Enough about that. Last one. I've, I've got a Doug's going to start throwing stuff at me back here. Obstacle number four. And this is the toughie. I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to get a little real with you about me. This one, this one sometimes is hard. The fourth obstacle to relationships is resentment. Resentment destroys relationships. Let's get real. Can we get real for a minute? We all make mistakes. Contrary to what some, I am not perfect. And neither are you. We don't bat a thousand in life, do we? We make mistakes. And because we're imperfect, we hurt others. And because others are imperfect, they hurt us. The key thing to think about is not if and whether or not we're going to be hurt, it's going to happen. And you're going to hurt people. Hopefully not on purpose. It just happens. We mess up. The key issue is what do we do with the hurt? Do we take this hurt and allow it to make us better? Or do we take this hurt and we allow it to make us bitter? Resentful. Because here's what happens. When we are resentful, we carry around a grudge and it weighs us down. Well, somebody hurts you and you don't, and you're resentful toward them, they could care less. They might not even know it. And it doesn't affect them in the one bit, but it affects you. It weighs you down. Psalm 73, 21 and 22 said, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, that means resentful, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Folks, resentment is never the right response. It builds up in us, and in the long run, it cripples us. It's really worthless. It accomplishes nothing. And the only thing it really accomplishes is that it clouds our vision, and it negatively impacts our attitudes and our actions toward others. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, what do we do about it? This is easy. We're going to end on an easy one. Okay? What's the antidote to fix to resentment? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm done. We can end on that, right? We're all, we got this down pat. This is the easy one, right? No, it's not easy, is it? Really, folks, if we're honest, if, we're, if, if you can get real with yourself for a second, if we're really honest, we are all still allowing people from our past to hurt us in the present. 
because we carry around resentment and grudge. And it weighs us down. need to realize the past is the past. And every time we hold on to that grudge, you know who's getting hurt? You. You. But God tells us something different. God tells us we need to forgive. And he says you have to let it go. Do others? Do others deserve your forgiveness? No. They don't deserve it, do they? Maybe we ought to back up and ask this question. Do we, reserve, do we deserve forgiveness from God? Nope. Guess what? Does it anyway, doesn't it? Through His grace and through His mercy, He is able to forgive us. And folks, when we're aligned with Him... His grace and His mercy is supposed to flow through us to others. And that enables us to forgive. And when we can do that, it frees us. And our relationships are restored and they get stronger and better. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another Forgiving each other just as in Christ Jesus, God forgave you. Resentment turns our hearts into a desert, folks. It dries us up spiritually and emotionally. We get stuck in the past and we can't go on in the future. We may think we're going in the future, but we're not. We're just kind of stuck. God has some great news for us in Isaiah 43. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's us. He gives us a way. He makes streams in our deserts of life sometimes. We've all had relationship disasters at some point in time in our life. What are we going to do about them? What are we going to do to help prevent future disasters in relationships? We're in 40 days of community. What better time to start working and building and maintaining relationships with we have. See, God wants to start, start something totally new in your life today. And it starts with opening your life and it starts with opening your heart to him. Let me tell you something, folks, if you if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I pray that today you say, yeah. Pray that today you say, you know what, I believe. Your life will never be the same, and your relationships with others will never be the same. Maybe you've known Christ for a long time, but things happen, don't they? Life just sometimes stinks. And things happen, and we get stuck. And we focus on us. We pretend that... 
I don't need other people in my life. Really, I don't like people. Leave me alone. We say that, but then if you look on Facebook, it's these same people blowing it up on Facebook. The truth of the matter is we thrive on it. We thrive on relationships with others whether we want to admit it or not. We need them. And to really make them right and to really help us in our walk and in our love for others starts with Jesus. Spend time with him, as I said earlier. I I don't want to rehash my whole sermon. Matter of fact, I might not be invited back if I did that. Starts with us being aligned with our Savior and spending time with Him. So I pray that as we, we're going to get ready for a response song, that you'll think about that and you'll reflect on it. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank You. We thank You that You care about us. We thank, we thank You that You don't just tell us the bad news. You tell us the good news. You give us a way. And Lord, we thank you that you love us enough that you sent your son to be the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, that has not experienced that love, that today is the day they would say yes. And I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, who's just struggling, Selfishness creeped in, or insecurity, resentment. Any of these things that hinder our relationships has creeped in. I pray that they would turn to you now and just surrender to you and your love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.